What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there, and I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in for these podcast episodes as well as following me along on my Instagram for my live sessions. If you haven't done so already, please go and give at English Encore Podcast a follow on Instagram. It would be greatly appreciated. You can go back and watch my live stream I had just a few short days ago with former Cortland track and field coach Tyler Hockadow. Some really great insight on a sport that I don't think gets nearly enough recognition, so go and give that a watch. Most of my live sessions are only 25 to 30 minutes, so really easy to watch and um, you know tune in for I'm hoping to have another live guest early next week we'll stay tuned for that today I have a really unique episode it's going to be a draft centric episode so I'll be going through post NBA lottery mock draft top 10 so I did a little bit of a mock draft about a few months ago but now that the actual you know order is set I want to go back and redo it because things have definitely changed going through the top five NFL draft busts of all time. And then I'll be going through and doing my top eight NHL mock draft now that the lottery is completely done there as well with the Rangers securing the number one overall pick. So starting off with the NBA, I'm just going to do a quick run through of 10 through 1 after last night's draft lottery results. So you have the Phoenix Suns at 10, the Washington Wizards at 9, New York Knicks at 8, Detroit Pistons at 7, Atlanta Hawks 6, Cleveland Cavaliers 5, and the top 4 is the Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets, Golden State Warriors at number 2, and the number 1 pick goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So very unique draft order. I feel really bad for Knicks and Pistons fans. They've been wanting to get into that top 3-4 for so long now and just cannot seem to do it. The Knicks kind of got screwed out of Zion last year, but they did get R.J. Barrett. I'm going to be going through and starting off with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, It's a very unique draft class in that the top half is very, very talented. And any of these guys could really rotate, in my opinion, in the top four to five picks. It's really all about what the teams want. Personally, I think a guy like Anthony Edwards would fit the Minnesota Timberwolves the best solely because they have D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, not to mention they drafted Jarrett Culver last year. So they have a lot of very skilled guys, and Edwards would plug in right at that shooting guard spot, which they kind of need um, next to D'Angelo Russell. But having said all of that, at number one, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves selecting LaMelo Ball from Australia. And I know this is kind of a unique fit, but the idea of LaMelo Ball and D'Angelo Russell as the two guards on the court at the same time is very intriguing. I know there won't be a lot of defense played, but it's going to be high-powered offense. LaMelo can definitely turn into a franchise player. He has very good length. He can guard multiple positions. His defense definitely has to get better. But I think overall, especially in the Western Conference, you have to score a lot of points. And you've seen the Rockets for so long do it where they can make the playoffs where they don't play a ton of defense. Not that they haven't gotten better at that, but there's a lot of teams that defensively aren't great, but because they score so many points, um, they're able to kind of overcome that. You look at the Portland Trailblazers, another prime example of that. So LaMelo Ball, number one 
to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Number two, the Golden State Warriors. I think this is a very interesting pick because I think there's a very high probability that the Warriors do trade this pick and try to bring it in another front court piece to go along with Steph and Clay. However, if they do keep this pick, I think Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard from Georgia, is the perfect fit. He's a guy that can learn from Steph and Clay. He's not going to have to be inserted into the starting lineup right away. He's a little bit inconsistent at Georgia's um, throughout the course of the season last year. Very good scorer, deep range shooter, um, has the ability to be a great defender. If he can be, you know, that 7-8 guy off the bench next year for the Warriors and provide some scoring right away off the bench and learn from Stephen Clay, he's definitely going to be a cornerstone for them to build around once those guys eventually hit retirement in the next upcoming years. At number three, I have the Charlotte Hornets taking James Wiseman, the center from Memphis. He's kind of a wild card because of all the controversy at Memphis last year, and he didn't really get to play at all. Um, to me, the Charlotte Hornets just have so much money tied up in their guards between Terry Rozier and if they want to bring back Devontae Graham, who really should have been in the most improved player of the year conversation, and the fact that he wasn't in that final voting is beyond me why. But because they have so much locked up in there and they still have you know, some faith in Malik Monk. Um, they have Bridges already at the small forward spot, and they drafted P.J. Washington from Kentucky last year. I think James Wiseman would fit nicely along P.J. Washington and create a very stellar um, front court for the Charlotte Hornets to kind of build around and get back on track, especially in the Eastern Conference where it's definitely less competitive compared to the West, and you can you have a lot of different interchanging playoff teams this year. I think the Hornets could actually be a few years away from being that playoff team again like they were with Kemba Walker and those guys. Um, they just really need to build up that front court to help out their guard play. Um, number four, I have the Chicago Bulls taking Obi Toppin from Dayton. Um, to me, this pick's very simple. He's going to be the best available player. He's the best player in college basketball last year. He's not a guy you want to continue to let slip. But just continuing to bring in guys, I don't think they would go guard just because they did draft a high investment with Kobe White last year. Um, the assumption is that they're going to have Zach Levine back. There's been some trade rumors, but if he is back there, you have your one and two. Then you have Wendell Carter and Lori Markinen, you know, in the front court. But I think Obi Toppin would slot in nicely into that small forward, power forward, mix-in role, whether he could be that six-man or replace Otto Porter Jr., who's going to be a free agent at that small forward spot. He's a very good defender, good perimeter shooter. Um, I think he would just work well with the Bulls. We are yet to see who their new head coach is going to be, but I think he would be a perfect fit for whoever comes in there as a head coach. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers at number five, Aneke Akongwu, the forward slash center from USC. Um, I think he'd just be a good fit because Kevin Love is going up their age. He's also been another person, speculation of trade rumors. Um, I think Andre Drummond will opt in for his player option just because of the amount of money it is. So those two in the front court to go along with a very young backcourt and Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, um, those type of players, I think it'd be very beneficial for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know if Drummond wants to stay there long term, but Okongwu would be a nice guy for him to learn from. Um, he's very versatile. He can defend multiple positions, small forward through center. Um, he's not going to be a guy that wows you offensively but he's definitely capable of putting up double double numbers in the future um, at number six I have the Atlanta Hawks taking Denny Avija from overseas um, he's a small forward slash guard I think he'd pair really well with Trey Young um, and Cam Reddish you already have John Collins and Clint Capella in the front court which I think is very great for them um, he can 
shoot very well. He's a very, very good passer. Um, and to me, I think this pick makes sense only because you saw what Atlanta did in trading Luka Doncic for Trey Young. Um, and Luka's, at this point in his career, I'd say is better than Trey Young. And he's one of these other overseas phenomena. And I think, I don't know if Atlanta wants to take that risk again. So adding this kind of mystery player from overseas, I think would be a nice fit for them. And he fits right into their system. As I said, you can play him at the shooting guard or small forward position. Give Cam Reddish another year to really develop his game as a six, seven man off the bench. Um, the Detroit Pistons, I feel bad. They're kind of in a very tough spot here in the top 10. Um, Tyrese uh, Halberton's the guy that I went with for them. Guard from Iowa State. He can learn from Derrick Rose. They definitely need more guard help. Luke Kennard's been a little bit inconsistent over the past few years. He's good size. He can defend multiple um, positions. Uh, he's a very good spot-up shooter, and the Pistons definitely need some shooting. Um, so I think that's a great pick for them. New York Knicks, I went with Isaac Okoro, the guard slash forward. Um, he's an elite defender and definitely what the Knicks need, especially if you're going to let R.J. Barrett run the offense. Okoro would be a great guy to have off of him, um, lock down the other team's best player while also being able to give you some good scoring on the offensive side of the ball. For the Washington Wizards, I went with Precious Okoro, or Achua, uh, however you pronounce it. I definitely botched that, but I apologize. Um, the forward slash center from Memphis. Um, he's a guy that almost reminds me a little bit of Bam Adebayo in that he can switch out onto a guard and defend them. He's a very fast-paced type of player, gets up and down the court very quick, which is a perfect fit for the Washington Wizards when John Wall comes back. They'll be able to push the ball a ton with him and Bradley Beal. And then they have Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, all those guys who are very good and inept at running the floor, so I think he would fit um, perfectly. And then finally, to round out my top 10, I have the Phoenix Suns selecting Cole Anthony, the guard from UNC. He may be a little bit higher on my list than a lot of other people's list as far as the draft goes. But to me personally, I think it would create a very good backcourt for the Phoenix Suns with him and Devin Booker. I think Anthony is still a year away from really stepping in to that starting role. But if you have Ricky Rubio, you know, for him to learn from, become a better passer, you know Anthony's already a very capable shooter and gets to the lane at will. But the combination of Anthony, Devin Booker with, you know, Kelly Oubre and DeAndre Ayton going forward, you saw what the Suns did in the bubble going 8-0. Um, it's a very young and promising franchise. James Jones done an excellent job as a GM, and Monty Williams deserves a ton of credit as the head coach as well. Um, but I think Cole Anthony is a perfect fit for them. So that rounds out my top 10 for the NBA mock draft. We'll have to go back and look at it once the draft actually happens, see how close I was. Moving on next to the top 5 NFL draft busts. Um, for me, this list is a little bit harder to do just because there are definitely a lot more draft busts you can look at in, you know, the 1990s, 1980s. However, because I wasn't born and really didn't get to see them play, it's hard for me to really evaluate how big of a draft bust they are based on just, you know, reading and looking at numbers. So a lot of these guys are more current, but are definitely still some of the biggest draft busts you'll ever see. Starting off at number five, I have Aaron Curry, the defensive end from Seattle. He was given the largest contract for a non-QB rookie in 2009. He only had five and a half sacks in 35 games after being selected fourth overall. He was benched in 2011 and traded to the Oakland Raiders where he then had zero sacks for his career there. And then he was eventually signed by the Giants or excuse me, in 2013 before he was being cut after training camp and he's not played in the NFL since. So for number four overall pick who... 
everyone thought was going to be, you know, the star-studded defensive end and was really going to help Seattle. He ended up turning out to not to be anything. Also, some other honorable mentions before I get into the top four. Um, you know, you have the Dion Jordans of the world, you know, Johnny Manziel, um, Matt Leinart, Jake Locker, guys like that. Um, number four, I have Justin Blackman, the wide receiver from Jacksonville. This dude was an absolute monster at Oklahoma State, was an easy top 10 talent. Um, the Jaguars actually traded up to get him, and not even two months after he was drafted, he was arrested for a DWI, and then he was suspended two times after a good rookie season, which he had over 800 yards and over 60 receptions, but he was suspended two times in 2013. Um, the first of which was short-term, and then the second one was an indefinite, indefinite suspension, and he has not played in the NFL since. Um, definitely a huge blow for the Jaguars, who at that time had Blaine Gabbert, and they wanted to really get him um, some weapons on the outside, and he just had one good year and then fell off the face of the earth. Obviously had some off-the-field issues that he could not control, um, so he's a top-four bust to me. Number three, a lot of people don't really remember, but Charles Rogers, the wide receiver that the Lions selected, in the first round um the very next pick after him was andre johnson who is potentially a future hall of famer in my opinion uh just never worked out he was kind of a hometown pick because he played for michigan state and went to high school in michigan so they wanted to keep him home definitely had super high all pro potential but um just in a few short seasons he had two broken clavicles and in his rehab he actually got addicted to drugs and had many drug issues and was eventually pushed out of the NFL and unfortunately he actually died um, at a very young age of under 40 I believe it was 38 years old but um, definitely a big draft bust for the Lions especially with Andre Johnson being the next pick um, with a lot of these picks the worst thing that you can add on for being a draft bust is if the player after you or a player in that position that goes next ends up being a stud or just 10 times better than you and that's definitely the case here with Andre Johnson over Charles Rogers um, number two for my biggest draft bust of all time I have Ryan Leaf the quarterback for the Chargers there's a lot of speculation going into that draft whether Leaf or Peyton Manning would be going number one or number two the Colts obviously made the very correct choice in selecting Peyton Manning future Hall of Famer um, and Super Bowl champion with that first overall pick Ryan Leaf was kind of just the guy with high potential um, had all the intangibles in the world the Chargers felt very comfortable taking him the biggest thing for him coming into the draft that year was they thought he was immature and had to really develop, which he definitely did not do. He was immature right off the bat. He skipped his rookie um, symposium, was very tough with the media, um, got into multiple fights with media members. He had a two-touchdown to 15-interception ratio um, and just never lasted in the league after he kind of talked himself up as being this huge stud quarterback. And then number one, I think pretty much amongst all, all NFL fans is Jabarcus Russell, the quarterback from the Raiders, who went number one all overall from LSU. You know, six foot six, just prototypical NFL quarterback. Thought he was going to come in and dominate the NFL. There was really no going wrong with this pick, according to most scouts. Um, two seasons as a starter before they finally cut ties with him. Um, he came into camp overweight, out of shape. Uh, they're the famous story is that a coach gave him tape and said go home and watch this and the tape was actually blank and the coach had asked him the next day if he had watched the film and he just said yes and talked about all the stuff he learned and watched when there was nothing actually on the tape just a guy that I don't think took it very seriously 
um, when he got to the NFL, he kind of thought everything was going to be handed to him and he was going to be a star um, without really putting in the work. Um, so definitely not a great day for Oakland Raiders fans. I think he is pretty much a consensus number one for uh, draft busts in NFL history. There's definitely a lot of other guys that you could have included in this list if I kept going. You look at D. Milliner, Aaron Mabin for the Bills, um, Johnny Manziel, which I kind of touched on before. Um, you know, you could even throw... People like to throw Vince Young and RG3 in this category, but to me, I don't know if I really like that because both guys did go to the playoffs, um, and if it wasn't for injuries or other stuff, they would have been, you know, great NFL players. Vince Young was a multiple-time Pro Bowler, so to me, I wouldn't include those guys, but definitely more guys you could have put in here as well. And then finally for today, moving on to my NHL Top 8 for Mock Draft. Um, so just going through quickly, numbers 8 through 1 of who has the picks. Number 8, you have Buffalo. Number 7, New Jersey. Um, 6, you have the Ducks. 5, the Senators. 4, the Red Wings. 3, the Senators again. 2, the Los Angeles Kings. And number 1, which was just recently discovered in some controversy, was the New York Rangers. So they did the draft lottery once again after some teams were eliminated from the play-in rounds. Um, as I talked about before on a couple other episodes, I was very happy, even though I'm not super excited about the Rangers getting it, as long as Edmonton, Toronto, and Pittsburgh didn't get it, I was kind of okay with whatever happened. Um, so number one pick for the Rangers is pretty simple. Alex Lafreniere, the left winger, um, guy that's going to come in, immediate impact, uh, definitely hoping they'll get more out of him than they got from Kako last year, but him long-term with Panarin there is going to be something to behold. Um, for the Kings at number two, I had them taking Quinton uh, Byfield, the center. Um, I think they just really need to add some depth up the middle. Anze Kopitar is getting up there in age. They're a little bit of an older team. They just need to bring in these younger prospects. Um, the Senators, uh, Tim Stutzel, the left winger, I think is a perfect fit for them. They have some interesting free agent decisions with Anthony Duclair. Um, and some other guys they did trade um, John Paggio away um, to a playoff contender. But um, the Senators did a really nice job in getting a lot of draft picks built up over the years. Number four, I have the Red Wings selecting left winger Cole Perfetti. Um, this is a no-brainer. Perfetti's a guy I think that could be a top three talent in the NHL as far as this draft goes. Um, I think they just really need to continue to add talent to go along with Dylan Larkin. Um they really just don't have a lot of top-end talent. Um, and this player, I feel, would play really nicely alongside of Dylan Larkin in a few years. He's definitely a kid that needs to develop some strength. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit when I, you know, I know Buffalo sports very well. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Casey Middlestat, and he needs to put on some weight. But Perfetti definitely has a lot more of a skill set than Middlestat, in my opinion. Then number five, the Senators again, Lucas Raymond, another left winger. To me, I think the center is actually pretty well nap down the middle. Um, they have some good prospects coming up at center as well. Um, they just need to add some depth wingers. And these are the guys I mentioned in Stunsell and Raymond are guys that I don't think are going to be potentially NHL ready this year. But next year, for sure, they can come in and contribute right away. Um, you know, a lot of these, I, I think in particular this draft class, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to come in and play this year and contribute or you know, they'll wait one year and then come up. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, in the first couple of years, you're trying to find your game. With this drive class, I think a lot of these guys are actually just going to step in and be immediate role, you know, contributors, guys that can put up 40, 50 points. 
um, in my opinion. Um, number six, the Ducks, uh, Jamie Drysdale, the defenseman. Um, the Ducks definitely just need some back-end help. They traded away Brandon Montour to the Sabres last year. Brendan Gooley really hasn't put what they wanted him to be. Um, they really don't have a lot of back-end help to help out Gibson in net, who's been a star. They've actually been pretty good at scoring the puck. You know, Ricard Raquel is a guy that I thought had a tremendous year. Um, they just really need some back-end help, and he's one of the few players, I think, in the top 10 that will be able to step in and play in the NHL right away. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, New Jersey at number 7, I have them taking Alexander Holtz, the right winger. He is a guy that could definitely go in the top 5, but this draft class is so heavy. There's so many players that are going to go later in the first round or into the second round. You're going to wonder in a few years how that player lasted so far. But um, Holtz is going to be a perfect fit for New Jersey. They already have Nico Heischer. Um, they drafted Hughes last year. Um, they have some other good, talented forwards. And I think Holtz adds just to that element. Um, now that they can try to get their goaltending situation fixed up, I think New Jersey can be a threat in a few years. And then, as always, at number eight, it seems like Buffalo picks there every year. Marco Rossi, I don't know if he'd actually fall this far, but the center would be a perfect fit for Buffalo because he's a guy I feel could come in and contribute right away, or he could wait one more year because Dylan Cousins will most likely be coming up for Buffalo. Um, Sabres just need to add center depth in any way possible, especially the way Casey Middlesat's been playing. Um, he could be out in a trade, or they might give up on him in another year if he doesn't meet his potential this year. So, Rossi is an easy pick for the Sabres here if he's still on the board. And that's going to pretty much do it for this draft episode. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said, I'm be trying to get a live guest for this upcoming, you know, early in the week. I will have an episode recorded for Monday this week. And then I will be changing up my schedule a little bit. I'll be having a uh, big announcement next week involving some my merchandise that I'm hopefully going to be dropping. And I'll be changing up my schedule because I'm moving to Florida um, in less than a week. So um, next Friday, I will be in the process of moving. So next Friday and then the Monday after, I will not be having any episodes. But then the following week, I'm going to try to put out three episodes on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday to try to catch up a little bit. But thank you, everyone, for supporting. Thank you for understanding when I'm going to be moving next week um, that I won't have as much content out. And stay tuned this week for merchandise and potential live guests dropping on my Instagram at English Encore Podcast. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Stay safe, everyone.